Welcome, you are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so if you've not read this episode's book slash movie and are sensitive to spoilers, maybe skip it for now and come back on later. This is where I would normally give you a trigger warning, but uh, there aren't any as far as I... Do you have any that you think, Morgan? I I can't Mm. even think of one. No, not that I can think of. Yeah, I think we're okay. I mean, if you have massive childhood trauma, maybe not, but like, there's nothing really horrible in here. This week, we are discussing Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones, which is something that I am very excited about because I am a Miyazaki fan and I liked the movie. And then I found out that I liked the book way more. And the movie's weird now, (laughs) is what I've decided. How have you been, Morgan? I have been a little bit tired of being in my house, but I think that literally describes, you know, 80, 90% of the population. Yep. I'm getting lots of stuff done, though, sort of. Yeah, it is a very productive time, I will say that. Um, I also had a interesting silver lining about lockdown, which is I have to deal with significantly less annoying people. I had to go out of my house and do something the other day, and I ran into like three people consecutively that were all annoying. And I was like, oh, I don't ever have to deal with you people anymore. This is amazing, actually. Me being locked in my home means I don't have to go out and interact with people, which also means I don't have to interact with like stupid, annoying people. So, hey, silver lining. Yeah, you know, you got to take those bright spots where you can get them. Yeah, and I, I will take that. Yeah, I'm, I'm being super productive and also somehow have loaded myself up with even more work so that I feel less productive, even though I'm being way more productive. This is like the type A nightmare scenario. <laughs> I mean, but I think that that just is something that you have to have whatever it is that makes you work. And yep. if having a year off and being stuck at home means that you can't do your usual like busy mechanisms, yep. you're, you're going to find stuff to fill it up. Yep. Oh, I have good news for you. Mm-hmm. I'm officially into year two off. Wow. You're, yeah. You're holy, how, when was the start date? Uh, so December 13th was the date that I stopped working at my old job. I did actually get paid through the beginning of February. So, but we're right there. So no, yeah. And I've decided that I'm in the same financial position I was a year ago today. So I can do this again. Let's have another year. Woo-woo. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's an excellent place to be in. Like as, as long yeah. as you're feeling good, you can sit here yeah. and podcast with me every two weeks. I'm super hype about that. Cause if I got a job, I don't know how that would happen. So <laughs> let's try and avoid that at all costs. This is no, my new mission like, in life is to like, not, not ever find a job again. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is literally the dream, right? Retirement and all that. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking flavored sparkling water. This one's specifically grapefruit. Um, I'm not going to say why yet. I'm going to save that for later. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. I am drinking honey mead because I feel like this is a a bit sweet. This story is very, very sweet. And I I know that you and I differ on which kind of meads we like. I like a a hyper sweet mead and you like Mm -hmm. a a less sweet mead. Yeah, I love sweet things, but it needs to be like mild sweet. And this is like for all all sweets. Drinks, not drinks, all of them. Yeah. I I brought a bottle of my favorite mead up to Morgan and they were like, nope, mm -mm, nope, too sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this is how I know this. But I do prefer a very sweet mead. And and this story was super sweet. Like it was very 
uh, I felt I felt really engrossed in it. I felt like a lot of stuff happened in it, like in a very short amount of time. It was only like eight hours. This book, right? Is that am I? Yeah, it's not I, very long. No, yeah, not at all. But I feel like a lot of things happened in that eight hours. Like it, it moved for sure. But it was definitely like a very sweet story. Had you already read the book before? I know you'd seen the movie, of course. But ha- had you read the book before? No, no, I've, I haven't. I've been wanting to read it for a really long time, which is why I was like, this is what we're reading by. <laughs> I had neither read the book nor seen the movie. I had seen oh. other like Miyazaki films, but had not seen the movie. I did go ahead and read the book. And about halfway through, weirdly, is when I decided to have movie night. And that's a weird time. Yeah, it is a little bit, but that's OK. It yeah. meant that I was already introduced to the character and yet also didn't know what was going to happen. I feel like yeah. that's actually kind of a sweet spot. Well, except that the book and the movie are so like they're for like half the movie, they are almost identical. And then at some point you're like, wait, what? Like it completely goes off the rails and it's an entirely different. There's entirely different plot points going on. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. Uh, tangentially, I am cur- so I'm a little bit ahead of Morgan on our book reading. So I am reading the Divergent series on my own. That's not part of this podcast. Uh, and I, in fact, did the exact same thing. I got halfway through the book and then was like, I'm just going to watch this movie. So <laughs> uh, those are very similar, actually. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I liked the books a fair bit on that one. The movies were okay. I, I yeah, they remember were right. finding them all right. But this is not a Divergent podcast. Nope, it's not. Sorry. I, uh, it is It is a divergence, though, that I just took. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny. Do you want to get us that, that opening line? Yep. In the land of Ingery, where such things as seven league boots and cloaks of invisibility really exist, it is quite a misfortune to be born the eldest of three. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the the initial opening stuff that we had for this family about being born the eldest of three, the middle of three, the youngest of three, and what that meant for them, because it had a very, very fairy tale vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And exactly opposite of how it normally is. Normally, the eldest like inherits all the stuff and they get whatever, but oh, they but made that's seem- right. Like she was going to inherit the shop, but that's like that was like the boring path. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was like, oh, the youngest gets the coolest stuff. And then it like goes backwards from there. Basically, the youngest gets to do whatever they want. And the oldest is like sacked with all the responsibility. But it didn't seem evident to me that it was necessary that she was going to inherit the shop. It was just like her mom got her sisters better positions than her and then just sort of like was like, okay, well, I'm going to give you the shop. And oh, by the way, that wasn't really even her mom. I didn't I didn't even really catch this until I read the Wikipedia summary. That woman isn't her mother. I was noticing that they didn't call her mom, but they yeah. treated her as if she was the mom. Yeah. Um. So she's the mom of the youngest, but her dad had been married twice, and so she had mm. a different she had a different mother. And so, uh, her father dies early on in this book, and uh, the stepmom, I guess her name's Fanny. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, Fanny. That's right. Fanny had yep. her. Uh, so Fanny gets obviously all of his stuff because she's married to him, and and she has to run this hat shop that he's running, and just and Letty. Uh, is given off to a, a different uh, sorry Letty is her sister is given off to a, a different a- apprenticeship and her youngest sister is also given off to a different apprenticeship her name's Martha and they've just decided the mom just decides randomly to give Sophie the shop because she's the best person with hats I guess and probably the least wild of the three sisters and the most reliable so the stepmom seems to sort of trap her into this and she's sort of resigned to it yeah she she is nothing if not very uh, pragmatic i think might be the term very like us yes, well this is this is my fate okay i'm just gonna do it like it and that seems to be pretty constant throughout the whole book 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like things are happening and she's just going with it, whatever whatever yeah. that thing is. I, I don't know how how much you want to wait to reveal plot points, but that's actually one of the things that kind of weirdly threw me off. I both liked it and disliked it when she was randomly turned into an old woman. Again, if you've seen any of this, you already know this happens. But she very, very randomly gets told turned into an old lady and she's like, oh, well... At least my joints yeah. are kind of good. Like, she's yeah. just so chill about the whole thing. Yeah, she seems, like, startled enough to get up and leave because she doesn't want to upset everybody else by being an old woman immediately. Okay, so what happens is, in the beginning, Sophie is in the hat shop and the, the Witch of the West, which is, like, this inf- infamous... No? Yeah. Which, the Witch of the Waste. Eh, whatever, Waste West. It's, it's yeah. very close. <laughs> so the Witch of the Waste shows up, and she's an infamous witch who, like is just mean for no reason. She shows up and she's like, I heard you have a really great hat shop. Can you give me a hat? And and Sophie says, well, like, we don't really have anything that's as awesome as you are in this hat. Like, everything's really common. And and the witch is, like, commenting on that. And she also thinks, uh, the witch also says, like, you're being snarky, essentially, and then just turns her into an old woman randomly. And you're just like, wait, what? What happened there? Why? What happened? Why, yeah. why did that happen? It, it feels not even like she's necessarily really reacting to anything that Sophie's truly said. It's just more of like, a, uh, I feel like doing this. And I think that theoretically there's an explanation later, but like, mm, I, don't, I don't know about that. It seems like duct taped together explanation. Like, a little bit. There's also like this thing that's going on in the town where the prince is missing and the king wants to find him. And are pretty sure that the witch has something to do with that and you and you find out later like revealing plot points again that this is in fact the case and i my only beef my only beef with this entire book is i don't fully understand all of the witch's motivations with stuff like i get a lot of them because they have to do a lot with howl but the prince thing i'm like why why did you do that like that just seems like just mean just mean maybe there maybe that is her motivation maybe she's just mean maybe that's what i don't know like i feel like Especially for having such a fairy tale style beginning, yeah. That this then moves on to have some very strange directions that are are not fairy tale like. I feel like in so many stories, you find out as the story is happening, you know, that the witch curses the princess because her parents insulted them, or so, you know, like yeah, usually right. it's as the story is being told that you know, the wit took great offense to this thing that happened and then cursed her. But this feels like, oh, I'm not going to tell you why, just fuck you. And <laughs> and then at the end, you kind of get an, an explanation, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I get, based on th- these actions and this randomness, this is why Miyazaki was like, this is the one. This is the mm-hmm. one I'm doing, right? Because, like, that's so Miyazaki is like, there's random stuff that happens and, like, some of it is explained and some of it is not. Like... I, I, we should someday have a diatribe about Pompoko because, like, I got things to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you like balls, that's the one for you. <laughs> uh, oh, I have yeah. not seen Pom- Pompoko. Oh, friend, so. go see Pompoko. You will, you will never laugh so hard. Make sure you have a couple drinks first. It's, it's amazing. And I'm pretty sure your partner would love that movie. It, it's for him. <laughs> Let me just okay. say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll, okay. Go on. <laughs> Back to Howl. <laughs> and his moving castle <laughs> so sophie's old and she's like well i can't freak everyone out so i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna start walking up this hill and 
I guess it, I guess she's looking for Howell, or it's I don't I don't even know why she, no, she she's decides clearly to walk just up the hill, leaving. That's it. That's yeah, her only just, goal. She's like, peace out, I'm out. Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, don't go into the waste because like that's a dangerous place. You are too old to go there. It's like looking like rain. Like, what are you doing? And she just like books it up the hill and then finds Howl's moving castle. Now let's talk about the castle because the castle is like an amazing character of its own in this book. The castle is a it's it's a moving castle and in in the Miyazaki movie they depict it as this giant walking situation I I I guess that's the best description I can think about it because like how else would it move so it's this giant thing but it's all an illusion and it is connected to four different locations on the planet the front door is so you just turn this dial and the front door will then open and three of those locations are just sitting down houses that aren't moving and then there's this one that Sophie enters that's like somehow hanging out in the hills above her house all the time, just sort of like walking around. And that one's moving. Like, that's a trip. Like, that is some imagination. Like, I would have never conceived of that. Yeah, it, it did give me a little bit of Doctor Who vibes at one point. Yeah. Although I was like, it's like the opposite. Instead of bigger on the inside, it's way smaller on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it does some traveling around. It does some magic stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit. I can't think of the word. Blue box, blue box, TARDIS. TARDIS. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. TARDIS like time and relative distance in space. Sure. Wow, that's my knowledge right there. Good. Okay, good job. <laughs> so Sophie mounts is like cold and tired, and her bones hurt and whatever. So she just like mounts into this situation, this castle that is moving somehow. The castle like stops, picks her up, and like keeps going. And she just walks in and like basically plops her stuff down and sits down by the fire and everybody's like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I people am into talking fire, by the way. Like of yeah. the things in this book that I'm kind of meant about, I, I enjoy a talking fire demon. That was fun. <laughs> that is super fun. Calcifer is a talking fire demon and you come to find out that he is the thing that makes all of this magic work. He is a, he is a demon that is connected to Howl by some spell and he he brokers this deal like he Sophie sits down and how uh Calcifer keeps keeps everybody out of this house that doesn't belong there so the fact that Sophie got in says something she sits down and Calcifer is like all right deal time <laughs> like you break my spell I break your spell because you know obviously Sophie doesn't really want to be 90 but it turns out she does spoilers for talks ahead <laughs> I don't know so I will fully admit that for the first part of the story where you know there's three young girls their oldest youngest middle there's like very fairy tale elements one's going to be a witch one's going to be a baker like i'm really digging fairy tale vibes and like kind of classic storytelling this of all this yep. uh -huh. i was into it i even wrote notes being like oh she's talking to the hats and telling them yeah. how like lovely they're gonna be and like i would I thought it was super charming and she adorable. She describes all the women that are going to wear the hats, which yeah. and she's like super accurate. It's like a, a hat witch. I don't know. I was yeah. very much just into it. I swear from the moment that she entered the castle, my interest just plummeted, which oh, is wow. not good given that that's only a couple chapters in. Wow. Okay. I didn't even blink at that. I was like, all right, we're going in the house. Let's find out about this moving castle. And there's nothing wrong with the castle or yeah. like the characters therein, just something about the story just lost my interest. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And uh, that's one of my big complaints about this, this 
story is that I really, really had a hard time staying interested. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas normally I can, you know, put on an audiobook and do some dishes, do some laundry, do some sewing and just kind of enjoy letting my mind be occupied by a, by a story. I had such a hard time staying with it, which is actually why I chose my drink, by the way, because sparkling water, it's kind of tasty for a couple drinks, but then you put it down and forget about it until it goes flat. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tried. I think it's part of why I watched the movie in the middle. Oh, okay. Was to and like help reinvigorate my like interest. Yeah. And let's take let's take a moment on that. What did you think about the movie? The movie I did enjoy in that like Miyazaki way. I love the very childlike, imaginative style of his animation, yeah. of his creatures, of his. It was definitely way more steampunk than I pictured in my head. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's fine. All right. I'm I'm okay with a bit of a direction change, and. You know, really nicely voice voice acted. The movie was fine. There's still part of me that was like, I'm starting to get bored with whatever these adventures are going on. Oh, that's interesting. And enough had changed. As you said, there are things it starts to change pretty quickly. Like there's a giant war going on that's just like not even happening. And it's a major plot point. And you're like, but but wait. And then like in, yeah, the, in I was the movie, confused. they're like... The prince is missing, and then they don't say anything about that till the like the last five sentences, and you're like, "But that was the entire plot of the book." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah, but there's also like the in the book, there's the visit to his sister, I think Howell's Howell's uh-huh. family, in and Wales. like that just doesn't not yep. a thing, not there, mm-hmm. like yep. there, which is fine. I don't I don't mind books and movies deviating. That's it's just something that they do, but I think it just maybe maybe it hurt my. My yep. understanding because I was like, I'm just confused now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was interesting. So I picked the book back up again and I'm like, no, nah, I'm still not interested. Oh, I'm sad that it didn't, A, didn't work for you and B, that, that you weren't that into it. I I thought it was a great book. Like I was uh, enchanted by it. I felt like it moved really fast and really well. Um, the Miyazaki movie did do a couple things that the book didn't do that I thought were really cool. Like her age kept changing in, in the movie, which in the book doesn't happen. Like she is 90 until she's not again. And in the Miyazaki, you watch her change ages just like constantly throughout the thing. And I, at first I thought that was like an animation glitch, like, oh, they're just forgetting to put in wrinkle. And I'm like, no, actually, she's just getting younger and older constantly. And I thought that was a really cool thing to show. Uh, they didn't really address in the movie that Sophie gets told at some point and is true that she is also a witch. And she is causing herself to be old. Like mm-hmm. Howell's tried to take the enchantment off of her. Other people have tried to take the enchantment off of her and they can't do it because it's her causing herself to be old. And then, so the book does say all this stuff, but it doesn't actually go into why, like why she would want to be 90, like why she would put this enchantment on herself without knowing it. Like, I mean, it seems obvious that it's some sort of subconscious yeah. and I, feeling. I do feel like the the movie did a good visual representation of that sort of like, it was you the whole time like because of the fact that it changes while she's sleeping or while she's like emotionally invested in something else for distracted her age would change and i that was a cool way of showing that hmm, something is up here beyond just the witch cast a spell you know yeah yeah that was cool i think this is the first time we've violently disagreed on it i I mean i don't know that's fine yeah i mean i feel like i think it's fine it's just like you know 
it's interesting that this is the one. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there have been a lot of things before where you were definitely not particularly into them. And I was like, <laughs> <"Witcher."> <laughs> like they're, they're okay. <laughs> and maybe that familiarity, again, it really plays in, right? If you're familiar with something, it's so much easier to love it. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if you look at it later and realize uh, some problems, perhaps with either the, the storyline, the context of what kind of things are ha- whatever right some things don't age well that whole concept yeah but, but Sophie being does. familiar <laughs> being familiar with it really helps you love something and maybe because I'm viewing it for the first time as a you yeah. know middle-aged person I'm just kind of like eh it's okay and I, I wanted to love it because so many people are just really really fond of the movie and yeah. I thought both movie and book were eh okay they're okay okay Yeah. I'm also prone to like this for two different reasons. One, I saw the movie like basically when it came out. Interestingly, there are really famous people who are in this movie, like uh, Sophia Loren. Is that right? Maybe. I know I looked at some of the voice actors because I was curious about some of them and did notice like, oh, they've been in a ton of things. Yeah. Like uh, Christian Bale's in it. Jenna Malone's in it, who I didn't expect. And she played the perfect character for Jenna Malone to be playing. So I thought it was it was a really well voice acted thing. I so I saw it when it first came out and I was way younger and it was something that like just I, I think it might be maybe the second Miyazaki movie I ever saw. And I've seen a lot of them now, like I'm super into Miyazaki. So I guess that like taints me in a like, I'm going to prefer this, even though I actually like the book way better. But then also Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors of all time. And I am super into him and all the stuff he does. And Diana Wynne Jones is one of his favorite authors. Mm -hmm. So I am default sort of like influenced in the way that some author can be an influencer to like her (laughs) and her writing style. So I think that doesn't hurt me. I did also like, I mean, I I like the format a lot of of how the book was written. As you can tell, like I have... I have words for people like Stephen King and John Steinbeck who just are like, let me tell you about every knot in every tree in this village. And I'm just like, oh, my God, freaking get there. So um, I do have to say this book called (laughs) and it was like I was captivated. Like I listened to the whole thing in probably two days, which is unheard of. Usually Morgan is so far ahead of me. So, so far ahead of me. And she listens to the books twice before I'm even close to done. So I, I was astonished that I finished it so fast. So I really did like it. Well, do we want to get into some of our favorites, least favorites, what have you? Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Did you have a favorite character of of all of the mini characters in this book? Uh, Probably Calcifer. I liked Calcifer. Definitely different than in in the book than he is in the movie. In the movie, he's like Billy Crystal and that's silly. Um, (laughs) But in the book, he's more of a demon and more grouchy about things. I thought that that was awesome. When you find out what Calcifer is, so remember that spoiler warning we told you about? He is a shooting star and he got saved by Howl. When you find out about that, like that also changes how you feel about Calcifer in general. But I just I think the concept of him is really cool. How he can make this house be in existence. Like why? Why is this house in existence? Stuff like that. Like I just think, yeah, he's he's a cool character. You? Uh, I really actually rather like Sophie. I know it's kind yeah. of silly to like the the main character best, but I don't know. She, as much as I think it's kind of odd that she's so practical and pragmatic, it it's likable. <laughs> you yeah. know, she's she's a very reasonable person. Uh, yeah. I feel like Sophie and I could definitely sit down and chat, and it it would be a good chat. We chat about hats or something. You are like Sophie in in a lot of ways. So yeah, that makes sense. I I'm I love Sophie. Potato. I think she's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
How about interesting scenes? You got any that you thought were particularly choice? The opening, like setup scene, easily my favorite. I don't, I don't know why. Like just this little, like in my head, medieval, not steampunk town, a little medieval town with like fancy hat maker and their three daughters. I don't know something about that. I was just really, really into. I liked the setup. I just got lost after that. Yeah. For me, there's a point in both the book and the movie where Hal opens up onto the waist and another uh, wizard in the past has come through and used a bunch of magic to create a giant field of all kinds of crazy flowers. In the book, they use that to run a flower shop. They had purchased Sophie's actually old house and moved Howell's moving castle into that house. Basically, the, it, the, the door connection connected into that house. And Sophie couldn't tell Howell, even though Howell knew what that was. So anyway, there's this flower situation that happens in the hills and it happens in the movie as well. And in both places, I thought it was it was like my favorite scene because you just imagine these just giant vistas of all different kinds of beautiful flowers hanging out and they're just like perpetually in bloom because they're they're like wizard powered and (laughs) seems like like a really pretty smelling place to be. Oh, absolutely. I think that'd be really lovely. I guess if I had to be a little, just a tiny bit more specific, I really, really like the scene where Sophie is doing her hat shop assistant deal mm-hmm. and she's talking to the hats. That just, I don't know, made me happy. So well, that cute. also is a major plot point in the book that like they address at some point, which is Sophie talks things into reality. Like Sophie, part of Sophie's like inherent witchcraft like power that she has is she can talk things into being. And so one of the things she does is talk to the hats and describe the people that are going to wear the hats. And she's not inaccurate because she's using her magic to do that. Oh, my! that reminds me of a book series. Oh, my God. What was it? Uh, maybe it, maybe it's the Xanth series. Have you okay. read any of those? Mm-mm. I might be misremembering, but there's a series where everybody has magic powers. Everybody, uh-huh. for the most part. And but you don't know what they are. And oh. so they're they're wildly different. And one character's power is that anything that he thinks to be true and like says out loud uh-huh. comes true. But oh, he, that would he be doesn't awesome. he doesn't know that it's happening. Like or, oh. or maybe let me rephrase. He can't know. Yeah. Like so you have to like kind of make him think that it's his idea and, and yeah. like it, it it's such an interesting thing to watch the other characters try to him to like believe that something is true in order to make it become true you should figure out what book that is so we can do a podcast on it yeah that'd be fun i'll I'll look yeah. into it okay okay cool uh places you'd like to visit in the story oh the the flower place i i would say especially for like a photo shoot i'd be so oh, yeah. down uh-huh yeah instagram look at all these flowers in this random yeah. field <laughs> wizard powered flowers yeah, I'm into like the the castle. I after Sophie has cleaned it though, because it sounds real gross. Before that, I did like in the movie the way they depicted Howl's room is way cooler than it is in the book. <laughs> like Howl's room was full of like enchanted bing bongs and all sorts of things, just like floor to ceiling. It looked like a a dragon's horde of awesome stuff, and it and in the in the book it's just full of spiders and stuff, and that sucked. So <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know. that's probably where to go. I, I pictured the castle as literally like a medieval style castle that just kind of like floated oh, okay. along and like appeared in different places. So yeah. to see it in the movie as this strange walking steampunk monster thing was yeah odd. Not bad, but not what I was picturing. Yeah, this got made before steampunk was even a thing. And that's what's awesome about it. The thing about the castle also is that it appears huge from the outside, but inside it's really not. It's like... Yeah, reverse TARDIS. Yeah, three three rooms. Yeah, but you didn't say why. Um, <laughs> it was three. It's like three rooms. It's like the main room and two bedrooms. Oh, four, because there's a bathroom, which is also really disgusting. So yeah, there's not a lot of space in that. So uh, I thought that was a very interesting place to visit, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody that you want to sit and hang out with? Perhaps have some tea or some mead. I mean, I would like to like talk to her sisters about their jobs, like especially the one that's training to be a witch. Like, I think that would be an interesting chat to have, or maybe the teacher witch, because at some point you meet Howell's teacher. Am, am I crazy? So. Did did they mention that she has two sisters in the movie? No, they only talked about one. Okay, I just I I wanted to like I I kept yep. seeing them talk about Letty, and I'm like, but she has another sister. Where's that one? Yep. And oh, they didn't. Ooh, well, I, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> uh, I, I did really like the scene where she finally goes to visit her sister. And yeah. that's where her sister's like, oh, dang, I have to finally tell you that, like, I switched places and, like, switched faces somehow no. with the uh-huh. other sister because she's training to be a witch. And so that we switched. And, but, but, like, what? And then the, the movie didn't have that at all. Yeah. I think that's why they didn't talk about the second sister. So in the book, the two sisters get assigned their role in life, but it turns out that they actually want the other person's thing. So they, the one who's studying with the witch just goes and figures out what the, the spell is to swap their faces so that they can swap. So that the one that used to be with the witch is now a baker. And the one that was a baker is now with the witch doing training because she's actually the smart one. And so it's a whole plot point, but it's really the only reason the second sister is even there. And so I guess that's why they didn't address her at all in the in the movie, because like they'd have to like come up with another voice actor and another whatever. But like that plot point isn't addressed at all. So like, eh, they don't need her. Yeah, it's only there for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I like Sophie, I don't know that I'd want to sit down and chat with her because like me, she's probably boring to talk to. Uh, So instead, (laughs) lots of podcast listeners disagree with Morgan. (laughs) I think that actually chatting with the two sisters I want to know how how's the baking? How'd the swap go? Did were you afraid that they were going to find out about you? Like like I'm curious about how their weeks before and after that switch went. Also, they like slowly faded back into themselves, and like nobody said anything. It was just like okay, well it makes I sense, right? Like when you grow out a beard, you don't notice that something's changed because you see them every day. It's only when they cut it back off again that you're like, whoa, whoa, no, your face has changed. If- if you and I swapped places and I slowly morphed into you, my husband would notice. That's eh, all I'm saying. If it's slow enough, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. okay. It didn't <laughs> seem like it was fast enough for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what 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 of these things did you love? Uh, I don't want to keep talking about the hats, but they okay. were so cute. There was something just very sweet about like the setting and the idea of the book. I love so many of the concepts. I love this talking fire demon star character. I love the idea of this moving castle space and this wizard who like, I I don't think we mentioned it, but he has like different roles that he takes on in the different towns, like in one place. Different names. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's. Mr. So-and-so in one place and Mr. Other so-and-so in another place. Like, you know, I, I, 
appreciate so many of the interesting details and how this all works. And I even like I like some of the writing. I love the the scene where she meets up with the witch and like says, "Oh, I'm I'm just going to the castle to see the king." And the the witch is like, "Oh, really? Well, then fucking yep. walk back up those <clears throat> stairs, old woman." Yeah, uh, and so like stands there watching as she walks up. The this the movie does it weirdly differently. Yes, yes, totally weird. Don't but understand. Written, I feel like it was written interestingly and and well. Yeah. I guess yeah. in the yeah. the book, like there there were definitely little scenes that I my interest would reengage for a mm-hmm. little while. Weirdly, I think all of the ones outside of the castle. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe maybe, sure. maybe something about the castle is just cursed. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> do you have any uh stuff that you love that we haven't mentioned already yeah i mean i really loved how dreamlike it was the whole time like mm. i felt like it was very what is that noise about i think that actually might that might be literally the reason i don't like it haven't yeah, we talked before about uh, uh, like different books that have had weirdly dreamlike you know hazy slightly confusing sequences and i'm like i don't i don't like it you didn't like the whole we free men dream sequence either no no i feel like there was another one too where it was dreamy and i was like stop it <laughs> you are sophie uh i loved how <laughs> how dreamlike it was i think it was absolutely perfect for miyazaki i also really liked the writing style and i liked i loved how complicated everyone was we don't really we haven't really even addressed Howl yet but how yeah, is really weird. He's weird. He's super complicated because he's lazy, but he's also brave and ha- does a lot of actions. He has this reputation for like eating women's heart. And he does, in fact, they kind of claim that that is like something that they've used to like ruin his reputation. So nobody will basically ask him to do any work. But he also kind of does eat women's hearts. Like, I mean, not in a like <laughs> literal fashion, but like in a metaphorical heartbreaker kind of way. But he part of that is real cute in the, the cartoon. Yeah, and but part of it is, is he's cursed, and so he can't really like actually fall in love very well. So like it, he's a very very complicated character, and like Calcifer is also super complicated. Sophie's super complicated. Even the sisters, for being like marginal characters that you only really talk to here and there, mm. like their situation is significantly more complicated than side characters usually get. So I I felt like for such a short book at an eight hour audiobook it seemed amazing that she got that much complexity into her characters. Like, I thought that that was really awesome. And it's something that I really appreciate about books. Sophie was also incredibly complicated for being how simple she is. Like, she's very straightforward and whatever, but she also has, like, these weird idiosyncrasies that allow you to believe that she's just chill with everything, but internally she's just kind of like, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together (laughs) through the whole book. And I don't know, I just, I, I found that, like, the writing style was what caught me and it's what you know obviously didn't catch you so (laughs) there were there were definitely bits I liked but yeah I don't know I kept I kept fading out so something just didn't click with me yeah and that's fine I don't know yeah uh I I think it a, a little bit started with the witch turning her into a old woman and yeah. it being so incredibly random the scene in in from what I recall, it just didn't make sense. I immediately went, wait, what? Why? I don't- it's even worse in the movie because, like, they cut their Sophie standing there. The witch says something and then walks out, you know, so they're now panning on witch. And then they cut back and Sophie's just old. Like, there's no, 
abracadabra involved in any way. It's just like you don't even really know that it was the witch that supposedly did it. It's just she's old and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Some uh, Something about it just didn't do it for me. But But that's okay. Not every yeah. book has to be everything to every person. I'd be very interested in the listener. Like, I would like to do a listener poll. Maybe I'll do it on the, the Instagram account and just find out. Like, leave us comments if you want, or I'll do a poll at some point to find out. How did you guys <laughs> feel? Did you like it or not? Like, let's do a let's do a, a listener poll. Yeah, I, I did my, my usual thing, which is to go look at reviews and see if, like, maybe there's just something I'm missing. And while there were tons of positive ones for people who you know, like you, absolutely have very positive experiences with the book slash movie and gave good reviews for that reason. There were definitely some people who were on my side and were like, yeah, I just, I kept, I, could, I couldn't stay into it. So that made me feel like I wasn't crazy and <laughs> that like, yeah, no, yeah. there are definitely people out there who agree with me that it's just, they weren't able to stay invested in these characters, mm -hmm. even yeah. though they're cool. They're totally cool. Cool setting, cool characters. I just, eh. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's something for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. This one was for me and not for you. And <laughs> then there was Witcher. <laughs> it's a very uh, good video game for what that's worth. You know, oh. I would play this as a video game. Yeah. I think this would be super fun as a video game. I would like the book to be a video game, not the Miyazaki movie. <laughs> okay. There's like too much weird. Okay. That's one thing I will say about the Miyazaki movie. There's all these weird like henchmen blah, blah 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 things that like sort of follow you around all the time and I'm like I don't I don't like this. This is like the the part of Miyazaki that I'm like nope to. Why why would the bubble people like why does it need to be as such? He does live like weird creatures. Yeah. Like that I mm -hmm. think is something that is in I think pretty much every movie I've seen of his. Not that there's <laughs> been that many. Wait for Pompoko. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see trust me it's uh, gonna be awesome <laughs> we'll circle back on this folks when uh morgan watches pompoco we'll give you a little update on that <laughs> we'll talk about balls for a while it'll be great balls yeah. are the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> 2021 quotes morgan dunner balls are the best <laughs> i i stand by it okay great <laughs> okay so what's your rating on this if you want to oh. give it i'm i'm gonna give it two out of five two out of five okay. i know you said but we don't have to say what it's out of but yeah the two two i don't know Dose. i just wasn't into two it two out of five is way better than two out of ten that's true it's true it's true i'll take it yeah that's a 40 percent that's a that's a it's a solid fail but like good effort <laughs> uh i'd give it like a four i'm i'm usually significantly more generous about my rating um, in general, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a really good book. I feel like a four encapsulates the my lack of understanding of all the motivations going on. Like that that is the thing that brought it down. Do you think it's worth a reread? You know, I, I feel like I almost always say yes to this. And uh -huh. part of me wants to reread it because I think that maybe I'll appreciate it more on a second reread, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, the second time you read a book, you always catch more information that you didn't catch the first time. Like, it, usually it's totally worthwhile. The problem is, while I understand that I might appreciate it more on a reread, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I, think I don't fair. want to take the time to listen to it again. I just don't. I feel like if you suffered through it once, why do it again? Like, no. 
Yeah. I would totally reread this. I know that there is a, this is a series, like there is more than one Howl book. And so if you, if there were other books in the series, would you, I doesn't, no, no, that's not happening. Okay. She's shaking her head at me. No, it's not <laughs> happening, guys. I would want to reread it if I was going to read the other of those books. And I will at some point read those other books. So I will in fact reread it. So I have to say yes to that. And yes to the other part, which is what I, what I want to read the other books in the series. Would you read something else by Diana Wynne Jones? I'd give it a try. Like okay. I, I, I didn't find her writing style unpleasant. So maybe a different setting or so, like maybe I'm willing to give it a try. Yes. Yeah. Should yeah. I assume that you would not recommend this to a friend? I would say that if they are fans of the movie, because I, I feel like people have talked about this movie a lot. Yeah. Right. It's like I've, I've 100% heard the name over and over and over again, even though I hadn't seen it yet. So if someone mentions that they are. But a lot of people aren't aware that there's a book. Yeah. So I think that I would totally recommend it. If someone says, oh, I love this movie, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh, have you read the book? Yeah. And mostly just as like a, you know, the more you know, like <laughs> information service. So I think the reason that the, the movie gets so much mention is, like I said, I've seen, I think I've seen all 17 Studio Ghibli movies. Of all of them, this is the most coherent movie. Like oh. the rest of the movies are all great. And and there are definitely cogent movies like I would say Porco, Porco Rossi and Castle in the Sky and even to some extent Spirited Away are very like understandable movies. But this one has the most like cogent storyline. So people bring it up as like a good Miyazaki gateway drug, mm. I think, because so this one gets brought up a lot because it did the best in the in the box office. It was the one that people thought that they could understand the most because some of them are really esoteric, like. I mean, I I really love um, like Ponyo. Ponyo is a great movie. I absolutely adore Ponyo. It's unbelievably weird. Just you're sitting there the whole time going like, wait, what? What even did she just become a fish? What? Like stuff like that. So like this one doesn't really do that other than she gets old and young. So yeah. I don't know. I, I vaguely recall liking Spirited Away despite finding it weird. Yeah. And uh, as a kid, I definitely remember liking the Kiki's delivery service. The, the oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, but maybe that's just because the visuals were super appealing. Maybe if I rewatched it now, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Oh, Kiki's great. Like, I, I'm I'm a big fan, though. I don't ever talk to me about Mizaki because I'm the <laughs> one that's like, yeah, watch it. Watch it. They're all great. Yeah. Like, also, um, if you live in a state where things are legal... Feel free to partake in those legal things. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that, because that, that'll help you along in the uh, Miyazaki journey of your life. All right. I, I am in one of those states, but I have not done the thing. I'll, I'll take it into consideration, madame. Okay. Are you ready for speed round? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. If this book were a flower, what flower would it be and why? Mm, one of those, what are they called? Chrysanthemums? Oh, dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> because it's got like 10 quadrillion little petals uh -huh. and it's confusing. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. We are on the same wavelength. Holy crap. About book that we feel exactly the opposite about. That's amazing. I mean, I don't I don't love chrysanthemums. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't love them either, but I find them like texturally really interesting. I'm like a texture person. I like texture. That's fair. If this book were a hat, describe that hat. Oh, hmm. I think one of those really like avant-garde uh, royal wedding hats. <laughs> where, yeah. yeah, see, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, like where it's, just, would wear. it's a hat shape that you're like, that's not a hat. 
but then someone puts <laughs> it on their head and apparently it is yeah okay yeah if you could have a door that opened up to any other place on earth what three places would it open to oh that is that is a killer question right oh i'm so proud God. of myself right now Oh, that is so hard. I like because I think that some people would have the temptation to go for somewhere like I don't know, like a fancy gold bank vault or something oh, where they yeah. could like uh -huh. sneak in and steal stuff. Um, I didn't even think about that. Oh, <laughs> it's one of the first things I thought about, but it was like, eh. but the problem is, I'm a chicken. I would never actually use it. Uh, and where are you just gonna... like peek in and be like, I could Scrooge McDuck now, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah and then you're just wasting a door right yeah totally i mean uh, another part of me is very tempted to go i have to think this out right this is this is a life-altering question you gotta think it through yeah for sure the other part of me says "Ooh, i should do like friends houses that are like around the world yep the mm -hmm. problem is what happens when that friend's house is no longer there like like right. they move and now it's somebody else's house you can't just have a random ass door well, like Howell had to buy the house that he was going to connect the thing to. So just assume that you have to own these homes or whatever. Uh, okay, that is fair. Gosh. So no I one's going to take this because it's yours. Okay, okay. I mean, so I mean, in general, I guess I would probably pick somewhere on the East Coast, maybe New York near the Fabric District. That could be Ooh. sweet. In part, just as a really great like jumping off point for flights. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> it might be a little bit cheaper from there than they would be from the, uh, the Western part of the, the U.S., Definitely Europe, but I'm trying to think where. Where specifically? I have a I have a friend, uh, Turi, who lives in England. Maybe somewhere near her. I'd ask for her input. That's what I would do. I would call her up and be like, "Okay, I have some magic shit happening." <laughs> Morgan's invoking phone a friend, <laughs> <laughs> and I would take whatever her suggestion. Yeah, Eng England is definitely like it's on my list for sure, and it's definitely a a good hop off place. Like, yeah. Uh, Weekend trips to Europe are real cheap from there. See, that's two places. Honestly, probably like Southern California. Uh huh. Fabric like, district. <laughs> uh, maybe it's yeah. all fabric districts the whole way down. Yeah. 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 No, I think it'd be nice. Like I could visit you. Yeah. I know that you don't live like Southern Southern California, but no, but I can get there real fast. Yeah, like that's better than Seattle. Yeah. I also just yeah. feel like anytime you want to be warm. You could pop on down there, or if it's in the middle of the summer and you're like, oh no, this is too much, you pop back up to Seattle. Yep. I could do that that old person snowbird thing yeah. with my magic doors. <laughs> yeah. I suggest, like, having come from from Southern California, I would suggest San Diego is very nice. All right. I'll keep that in mind in case yeah. this ever actually, you know, becomes a valid yeah. concern. They have fantastic Mexican food there. It's just like, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. If you could change anything about this book, what would it be? That's hard because I don't want to say be more interesting to me. <laughs> like that's 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 I feel like that's not specific enough. That's not fair. Yeah. What would what would do that for you? I don't know. That's the problem. Right. I can't. It's hard to tell what's not keeping your interest. Right. Yeah. It'd be one thing true. if like, oh, every time this one character comes up, I just oh, I hate them. Like, I, but that's not it. Yep. You know, there is something I think about Howell that I don't love. And oh, okay. I'm not 100% sure what it is. It's almost like he seems childlike sometimes. Mm -hmm. But then again, I'm maybe letting the movie corrupt me. The way he like flipped out about his hair are like, can you shut the fuck up, dude? I mean, he did that in his in the book, too. Yeah. He, like makes but, green goo when he's upset and you're just like, really? That's yeah, but it was particularly visually 
yeah impactful yeah yes <laughs> in it the, was in the movie sure. i don't know something about howell he's, doesn't do he's it really for me. self-centered yeah yeah which i mean it's fine if yourself is what you're interested in i guess go for it but it doesn't help the book maybe the book would actually be interesting from his point of view that oh. actually like might be an interesting change is what would happen if this whole thing was from his uh-huh. point of view how would that yep. affect how i feel about the story because yeah. i would probably care a lot more about him and his motivations because it's his own internal monologue i think i would like it if if it did chapters from everyone's point of view mm-hmm. yeah yeah like i think that would be really interesting to know because you only get to know what sophie's thinking but you don't get to know what everyone else is thinking or why they're act like this is one of this was my only complaint was like i don't understand anybody's motivations so like what what <laughs> yeah no I, th- I think that actually that might in fact solve my issue yeah, I, I'd like I think, it when books do that. I think you'd find out a lot earlier that Howell is not the way you think he is through the entire... Like, they don't open up until the very end of the book that Howell is not a gigantic douchebag, that he's actually a very caring and loving guy who, like, literally gave Calcifer his heart in order to save Calcifer's life mm-hmm. um, and made this deal with him. And so, like, he's really actually awesome. But you don't... You think he's horrible through the entire book. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, wait you're actually cool so and i mean that is the way it is with some people but like it would be nice to hear it from his perspective because maybe you'd get you glean a little bit more of that earlier on and he wouldn't be such a weird factor in the book yeah i agree three words to describe this book whimsical hat fairy tale cool excellent i feel like there's a lot of hats they're central to the story yeah there's a lot of hats for sure (laughs) uh hey morgan what's up what are we reading next? Oh, we are reading a book that I really, really enjoyed when I read it the first time, and I'm excited to read it again. Uh, we Are Legion, or We Are Bob, in parentheses, by Dennis E. Taylor. It's it's a really fun one. Do you want to give a little teaser spoiler about what that's about? How would I describe this? It's like a sort of artificial intelligence, but also not living in space, replicating himself and causing shenanigans because that's what he's programmed to do but also a little bit that's just kind of what he wants to do yep yeah no it's it's good though i really really like it i'm particularly hype about this book because i have a philosophy minor and my very favorite philosophy class was called the philosophy of self and we explored topics that were exactly what this book is about and that class made me super excited and like really engaged like mentally and i feel like this book is going to do the same thing so yes. i'm hype yeah all right yeah well okay. do you have any actions for us to do madame yes i do i have homework for everyone uh please go rate this book on your purchase platform it helps everybody else figure out if they want to read this book or not also rate this podcast on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on and follow us on instagram at ladies who genre all one word there was a story that Morgan didn't love. <laughs> <laughs>